Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you're having a good day. A lot going on again. Here are the headlines. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell supports legalization of industrial hemp. The U.S. and South Korea tweaked the trade agreement with seemingly little impact on agriculture. And the Farm Bill impasse in the House Ag Committee over nutrition continues. Been interesting to see that play back and forth. Recent comments by Chairman Conaway and the comments made here yesterday on Adams and Agriculture by Ranking Member Colin Peterson. Obviously, different views on this nutrition issue as that impasse continues in the House Ag Committee. But today here on AOA, we'll get an update on efforts to avoid dicamba problems this year. We're going to talk with Aaron Hager, Assistant uh, Associate Professor of Plant Protection Weed Science at the University of Illinois. We're also going to find out how retaliation by China to U.S. tariffs could impact ethanol. We're going to talk with Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. And these are tough times, again, for the dairy industry. We're going to get a dairy market outlook from uh, Mike North at the Commodity Risk Management Group. So all that coming up on today's program. But first, I want to start with uh, the omnibus spending bill. We talked about this yesterday. There's a lot in there for agriculture, but something that is not in there that the biodiesel industry hoped would be, and that is the uh, tax incentive uh, for biodiesel. Joining us again is Kurt Kavarik. He's a vice president of federal affairs for the National Biodiesel Board. Kurt, thanks for joining us. I know you're disappointed that your tax incentive did not make its way into that omnibus spending bill. Yes, I'm glad to be with you again. Uh, obviously, we're disappointed. Um, as you know, our, our tax incentive was retroactively extended for 2017. Um, in, a, in a February package that Congress passed, we were hopeful that we could provide certainty for the industry with at least an extension for the current year, 2018, in the March 24th omnibus package, uh, but it, but it, it, it wasn't, uh, wasn't to be the case. Uh, Congress decided not to include any of the 30 or so um, what we call extenders, uh, t- temporary tax provisions that expire uh, uh, on a regular basis. Not that it's much solace, but it wasn't just the biodiesel extender uh, that didn't get in there. As you mentioned, the others did not either. That's right. There's, there's about 30 or 33 other provisions. Uh, we're one of the largest and, and I would say most popular. There's a provision related to short-line railroads that has a lot of support. Uh, so there's a, there's a broad coalition of folks who have joined us in um, advocating with Congress to extend these extenders, provide certainty for all of these industries, uh, but but it is a disappointment, and unfortunately, uh, we're not. It's not. It's unclear at this time when Congress might be able to revisit these extenders, when there might be a, a must-pass piece of legislation this year, and one that can carry uh, tax policy. Any idea why? They weren't uh, included. I mean, you had a chance. We talked about this last time. You got the chance to really make your case uh, before Congress in a hearing, uh, and you had a strong story to tell. Uh, Any indication why you were not included in the package? Well, I think part of it is the the House leadership and particularly the Ways and Means Committee wants to continue to review these extenders in light of uh, last fall's comprehensive tax reform. We had one hearing on March 14th. They have said that they would like to have multiple hearings. We're, we're happy to engage in that. Uh, the March 14th hearing, we had a witness from AGP who did a fantastic job. Our supporters were there to, to advocate. Some advocated for permanency of these tax provisions. Um, so the hearing went well. We're happy to engage in that. But I think part of it is when when Congress puts together an omnibus bill like the one that they passed to fund the government, it was already a $1.3 trillion bill. It carried some tax provisions, as you might know and your, your listeners might know, related to the co-op provision, 199A. And so I think there was a concern about, you know, the votes and making sure that, you know, whatever they added to the package helped their vote count and didn't hurt. And at the end of the day, I think it, the package just became too big to try to add anything else to it. Yeah, it's already been criticized even by the president for being too big, too much spending. Uh, but so, yeah, you kind of got caught in that numbers game. So what does that mean for the year ahead for the biodiesel industry, Kurt? 
Well, unfortunately, it means more of the same. Uncertainty related to the playing field of the tax incentive. So we have we have producers who now have to decide whether they're going to take the risk, produce the fuel, blenders who, want to, who are going to take the risk, and market the fuel and not knowing whether that tax credit will be reinstated. Unfortunately, we've already heard from a handful of uh, what I would consider very small producers in parts of the country who quite frankly, are uncertain whether they're going to produce in this climate just because of the uncertainty, which when when you have a Congress that wants to push policies that are, are pro-domestic jobs, uh, economic growth, uh, and, and economic development here at home, it's unfortunate that the inaction of the Congress is leading to the exact opposite outcome that they desired through tax reform. So... We'll, we'll continue to push, but, but quite frankly, with the uncertainty over the tax policy, the uncertainty over the renewable fuel standard, the ongoing discussions related to RIN caps with the, with the president and members of Congress, all of that uncertainty combined creates a very um, troubling uh, uh, environment in which for these folks would like to do business. Yeah, as we've pointed out before, historically we've seen years where the tax incentive is in place, the biodiesel industry really grows. Uh, years that it's not, we've seen it uh, fall back. So that's right. I, in fact, it, it yeah, it sounds like that pattern's going to continue. Absolutely. In 2016, when the tax credit was in place in advance of the year, we had our largest biodiesel market ever. Last year, without the tax credit, it it dropped a bit. So it, it it's clear the tax incentive drives exactly what Congress wants it to, and that is more investment, more production, more certainty in the market. It's, it's just unfortunate they can't get on the ball and get it done in advance of, of, of the year so that folks can use that incentive to do what it's intended, and that is drive production. Kurt, how close is the industry to being able to push forward without having the tax incentive? Well, I think if we uh, – our, our primary goal is for long-term certainty and durability of the tax credit because we know when it's in place on a multi-year extension, it does exactly what it's intended to do. And, and it's difficult to answer your question about, about duration when there are so many uncertainties. Without the tax credit being in place right now, with uh, flat renewable volume obligations under the RFS, um, if, if we had a little bit of certainty in each of those areas, I might be able to better predict you know, how long that credit might, might uh, need to be in place. All I would say is, you know, if Congress could give us a couple years to and, and allow us to demonstrate the effectiveness of it, that that would be a great first step. Yeah, they keep kind of giving it and then pulling it back, and it really makes it hard to uh, get things uh, established and moving forward before you hit that next roadblock that uh, keeps happening to the biodiesel industry. Well, Kurt, thanks for the update, and uh, we'll keep watching the situation, and uh, hopefully the industry can uh, uh, succeed and prosper despite this setback. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Always happy to be with you. Thank you, sir. Kurt Kavarik, Vice President of Federal Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board. Uh, they were disappointed uh, they didn't get uh, larger volumes uh, in the RFS in the last uh, announcement by EPA, and now this setback not getting the tax incentive for biodiesel extended in the uh, omnibus spending bill. All right, coming up next, to look at uh, what, what we might expect this year with dicamba. We've had a couple of rough years, lots of problems, suspensions, restricted uh, uh, application periods, things like that. We're going to talk with Aaron Hager, associate professor at the University of Illinois, next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. 
Antonio H. told us, great company. Got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help. America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home. But with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call mobile help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room. With refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no. Wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Unfortunately, one of the big stories in agriculture last year centered around the use of dicamba and reports of dicamba damage in multiple states. That led to suspensions of its use, uh, restrictions on its use, and a lot of questions going into 2018. How will it be handled this year? We're going to talk about that now with Aaron Hager, Associate Professor, Plant Protection, Weed Science at the University of Illinois. Aaron, thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture. Oh, happy to be with you, Mike. All right. I know there are a lot of meetings going on in, in different states, training sessions, updates, educational efforts uh, to try to avoid the problems we've had in the past. Uh, what else do we know going into this year's uh, growing season uh, when it comes to dicamba use as far as trying to avoid the problems of the past? I think simple fact is everybody who looks forward to utilizing the technology needs to remember that the, the label for these dicamba products will expire in November of this year. And without a doubt, I think EPA will base their decision on whether or not to renew that label, primarily dependent upon how the outcome of the 2018 use season progresses. If we see very limited instances of off-target movement, there's a chance that these labels would be uh, approved again by U.S. EPA. But if we see off-target movement, off-target damage as similar or exceeding what we saw in 2017, there's a very real chance that these labels will not be re-approved moving forward. So there's a lot on the line this year. We talked about this last year, not only was there concern about uh, the problems some folks were having and reporting, but also there was concern by others who were fearful of losing this technology moving forward. And as you pointed out, this could be the make or break year on that. Um, Where are we at, Aaron, as far as precautions? I mean, last year, part of the confusion was, uh, was it, you know, 
people not following the label? Was it just uh, the perfect storm of weather conditions? Or was it uh, damage? It wasn't really dicamba, but people thought it was dicamba. I mean, we had all these different things out there. And I think, to me, the biggest concern was when we'd hear people say, I did everything according to label. I, I followed every uh, detail, and there were still problems. So we had we had this mixed bag of uh, issues last year. I think that's you know, very accurate, Mike. You know, it, it wasn't that difficult even here in the state of Illinois for you know me for one afternoon to jump in the truck and take a drive and, and see virtually all causes and all possible avenues of off-target exposure. We certainly had, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we had issues with physical drift during the application process. That was very easy to find last year. We also saw many instances where dicamba residues from an applicator became dislodged in the next field of non-dicamba soybeans. That was very, very evident. And we also saw instances of of large-scale symptomology on soybean fields that were extremely uniform from one side to the other side and from headland to headland. And that just simply does not match up physical drift, and that certainly does not match up contaminated equipment. And really one of the only other explanations and one that's been known to occur with dicamba ever since the product was introduced over 50 years ago is volatility. And these formulations, the manufacturers have publicly stated that these new formulations of dicamba are not no volatile formulations. And I think if you look at the university data that was generated in 2017, the university data would fully support the fact that they, that they are not non-volatile formulations. So volatility remains a source of off-target exposure, regardless of what the manufacturers want to say. You cannot deny chemistry is taking place with this particular herbicide. It always has and it always will. That's the one thing that's very, very difficult to correct moving forward in 2018, simply because volatility does not obey a label. Volatility obeys the laws of chemistry and nothing else. So you're saying the, the biggest problem then is with the product itself? more so than the, the use or application of it? No, without a doubt, no. I didn't say that at all. I said there are multiple avenues of all-target movement of dicamba. To deny that volatility is one of those avenues, I think, misrepresents the truth. So there's more than one issue here is what we're talking about. We got We have multiple issues, which seems to me makes it you know, we're trying to look ahead and, and hope that 2018 we're not going to have these problems. But when you have so many areas to try to get your arms around, it, it seems like it's going to be difficult to avoid those problems again this year. Well, you know, and, and I've been asked this a lot last year, you know, what, were we surprised with what happened in 2017? And I certainly don't mean to, you know, belittle this fact, but what we saw in 2017 was nothing unique that we haven't seen every year in the state of Illinois for 50 years. We know what the routes of exposure of dicamba are on sensitive soybean. That list has not changed in 50 years. And so moving forward in 2018, we certainly can do things to try to correct the off-target movement during the actual application process. And that's what a lot of the label revisions that the U.S. EPA issued last fall are specifically meant to address. But there's also this off-target movement with the process of volatility, and you cannot regulate that on a label. We have to understand that volatility tends to increase with increasing temperature. And therefore, you see a lot of the recommendations now coming out from several different wheat science programs at various universities who are now recommending only early applications of dicamba in order to try to make sure that the applications take place when air temperatures tend to be cooler. We're talking with Aaron Hager from the University of Illinois looking at the dicamba situation for 2018. Aaron, we should point out, too, that I know I heard from farmers that said that used dicamba, so they had some of their best beans uh, using dicamba last year. So, uh, I mean, it was just such a, a mixed bag, uh, the reports we got last year. So when we're looking ahead to 2018 and trying to avoid these problems, you know, you talked about, we wound up with restricted use periods last year and farmers said well that that's tough because you you know everything doesn't always work to where you can fit into those uh, certain windows and get everything done that you want to get done that's going to be a challenge too oh without a doubt even with the new restrictions on the label it's going to make 
you know, applications even more challenging, whether it's for private applicators or for commercial applicators. The, the window is going to be very, very narrow when all conditions are in place to make an application in 2018. It's going to be interesting. How how do you, we're trying to figure out how EPA is going to look at this, but trying to guess how they're going to judge this. I mean, if, if we're looking for, do you have to have, uh, zero problems out there, or are we just looking at uh, a minimum number of problems reported or just fewer than last year? I wonder what the, the criteria for judgment will be. That's probably a question best answered by EPA because we can't answer that. You know, I think in my humble opinion, if, if we judge this technology as successful only on the basis that we have fewer instances of off-target movement, I think we've missed the point completely. There's a reason that we use this technology. We use this technology or any other weed management technology simply to protect the genetic yield potential of the crop. That should be the goal of any weed management technology. The goal ultimately is zero weed seed production at the end of the year. That is success. Simply measuring success by fewer number of complaints, I think we missed the boat completely. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we know we have a growing problem in fighting weeds uh, in uh, in this country and to lose a valuable tool is going to make that battle even even more difficult if we use the dicamba technology only as a post-emergent herbicide option we will lose the technology eventually we will lose it through the evolution of resistance that's happened repeatedly down through history this technology will be absolutely no different that's why, again, we try to emphasize the zero weed seed production at the end of the growing season. That is an unmistakable measure of success right there. I think we back can lose to the tw- technology through regulation. We could lose the effectiveness of the technology through the evolution of resistance. Mm-hmm. I think back in 2016, we thought steps were taken to avoid problems in 2017. Obviously, that didn't happen. Now we're taking steps. I mentioned a lot of meetings, education going on. Uh, are you more confident that the will be better in better shape to handle it this year, or do we just not know? I don't know that we know going into the growing season because so much is going to be predicated on when do we get the soybean crop in the ground? Are we going to be timely with it? Can we make early post applications with it? We've got a different growing conditions here in 2018. We really don't know what to expect in terms of what our conditions are going to be like in 2018, but. Hopefully, based on 50 years of prior experience, people realize that this is a product that we have to be very cautious using around non-resistant crops. It does have that tendency to move in a myriad of different ways, and we need to ensure that we're making the applications according to all the label guidelines and all the label restrictions. If somebody's going to choose to make an application and ignore the label restrictions and guidelines, that's not going to benefit the technology at all moving forward. All right, Aaron, thank you for your time. I'm sure we're going to be talking uh, this year. Let's hope it's not uh, like last year with all the problems. Uh, Hopefully we'll have uh, more positive uh, news to report on this issue this year. But thanks for the update. We appreciate it. You bet you. Aaron Hager, Associate Professor, Plant Protection, Weed Science, University of Illinois. Critical year this year for uh, the use of dicamba. All right, coming up next. Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, joins us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Corn and soybean futures firm in early dealings on our Tuesday session, turning a bit higher after starting the week with losses. 
Meanwhile, in the wheats, we've been mixed. USDA saying that the condition of the winter wheat crop in parts of the southern plains improved, a sign that recent rains may be easing some of the dry weather concerns. Kansas wheat rated 13% good or excellent, up from 11% last week. Not much has changed in the corn market over the past 24 hours. New crop December corn sitting above its support near 395 and a half. May soybeans sitting above support near 1019, while November has room to fall to its next support level at 1017 and a quarter, according to the wire talk. May soybeans erased intraday gains to close modestly lower yesterday. The bean bulls have been unable to gain traction on the upside. 10-day moving average acting as resistance on a closing basis. That level seen at 10.33. An hour into the trade day, May soybeans at 10.26 and a quarter, up a fraction of a cent. Fraction to a penny higher in corn, new crop December at 3.97 and a half, up three quarters of a cent. Minneapolis wheat, a fraction to two cents higher, one to two better in Kansas City, steady fraction higher in Chicago wheat. Livestock at the Merck, in live cattle futures, we are trending 45 to 67 cents higher, rising after falling sharply in recent weeks. Feeder cattle futures trending 45 to $1.85 higher. Lean hog futures, a mix, nearby April down 30 cents, 57.72. Outside markets, the Dow is up 15, NASDAQ up 10, S&P down 2, crude oil in New York down a nickel a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. My pillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We've got some uh, ethanol issues we want to talk about uh, with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. We'll get to China and retaliation and those uh, trade issues in just a moment. But first, uh, the most uh, recent news on this situation with Philadelphia Energy Solutions. A U.S. bankruptcy judge approved Philadelphia Energy Solutions' plan for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, this despite the fact that the Renewable Fuels Association and the National Biodiesel Board both submitted comments to the Department of Justice yesterday opposing that proposed bankruptcy settlement agreement. Bob Deneen, thank you for joining us. I know you feel very strongly about this issue. Uh, Tell us about your opposition to this uh, uh, bankruptcy plan for Philadelphia Energy Solutions. Well, let me be clear. What the court did yesterday was approve the overall plan, but it still has until April 4th to approve or disapprove the EPA's proposed uh, plan on what to do about the renewable fuel standard and the credits that uh, PES owes uh, as a consequence of that program. And so that issue is not yet resolved, and I'm hopeful that the Department of Justice will review EPA's proposal and recognize that it does a real disservice uh, to consumers, to farmers across this country, and sets a hugely negative precedent for any environmental regulation. It's not just about the renewable fuel standard, but if this uh, bankruptcy uh, uh, proceeding is approved with respect to the RFS, it really sends a signal to uh, anybody that, hey, you can now use the bankruptcy court to get out of uh, an environmental regulatory obligation. Uh, you know, if you're a, 
uh, an energy producer or a coal, a coal-fired uh, power plant, and uh, you're in financial difficulty, so you sell your scrubber. Well, and now you're going to be in violation of all the, the Clean Air Act requirements uh, for a power plant. Uh, and this proceeding would suggest that EPA would, would let you out of your air quality obligations because you sold your scrubber. I mean, it's, it is ridiculous what EPA is proposing to do with this, and we are absolutely hopeful that uh, the Justice Department and the courts will ultimately reject it. And while Philadelphia Energy Solutions is trying to pin the blame for all this on the RFS, as you point out, this is bigger than the RFS, and this would set this ruling could set a very dangerous precedent. Well, you're absolutely right, and Mike. You you put your finger right on it. The biggest problem with this uh, proposed settlement by EPA is it accepts uh, Philadelphia Energy Solutions' hypothesis that it is the renewable fuel standard that is the cause of their financial difficulties, and that's just preposterous. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is what has caused PES's problems are their own investment decisions and their own mismanagement, and that's not Bob Deneen talking. That is any number of independent analyses that have been conducted on, on PES and recognized that it foolishly uh, made itself captive to the higher-cost uh, imported Brent crude as opposed to the lower cost uh, U.S. West Texas crude, and it did a number of other things that have caused it financial difficulty. And to suggest that it's the RFS and and the potential $400 million or so that uh, it might have had to pay for RFS credits when the company owes $3.8 billion to the state of Pennsylvania alone for taxes and penalties not paid, I mean, they're a tax cheat, and EPA is rewarding a tax cheat by allowing it to uh, get out from underneath a regulatory obligation, hurting farmers, hurting consumers, and hurting ethanol producers. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. We're talking with Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. All right, Bob, let's go to trade. Um, on the ethanol front, we already had some issues and problems with China, and now we uh, have the tariffs and the retali- potential retaliation from China that could impact ethanol and ethanol products uh, going into China. What's the latest? And uh, give us an update on your concerns with this issue. Well, this is not inconsequential at all. China was the third largest market for uh, the U.S. ethanol industry in, in 2016, and it was our fastest growing market. Uh, in the beginning of 2017, China imposed tariffs of 30 percent on U.S. ethanol, and it uh, largely stopped ethanol shipments to the country. Towards the end of the year and the beginning of this year, we began to see uh, some product getting back in despite that 30 percent tariff. But as a response to uh, what the U.S. had done with respect to uh, steel imports and and other uh, activities, uh, China has imposed a 15 percent tariff on top of the 30. And uh, you just can't compete with that. And what China is doing is, is wholly uh, protectionist, but also, uh, you know, clearly in response to uh, what the U.S. has been doing. And it is a, a deep concern for us, for sure. You know, we're hearing things now that uh, the U.S. and China officials are talking that uh, things are, aren't as bad uh, really behind the scenes as it as appears in public, and uh, this actually is going to work out to be a better deal and going to address some things that needed to be addressed. But uh, my point has been there's collateral damage along the way to, if you just to get to that, hopefully, that good ending, and that damage along the way is hard to recover from, and ethanol would fall in into that area, wouldn't it? Absolutely. We, you know, ethanol was among the uh, items listed for immediate retaliation by China uh, last week, and uh, and we will pay a price uh, for all of this. And and maybe you you'll end up with a larger market at the end. But I mean that is our hope. And look, I've got great confidence in uh, the ambassador to China, Terry Branstad, uh, and uh, you know I hope that uh, President Trump is. Uh, negotiating wisely on uh, agriculture's behalf, 
because the impact of all of this could be devastating for rural America. I know we mentioned this earlier. There were concerns before all this came about. We had the disruption in trade there. And having former Iowa Governor Terry Branstad over there is hopefully going to help. Uh, um, what has his role been in this? Has he, has he got a voice in this issue? Uh, well, you know uh, former Governor Branstad as well as anybody, and, and you know that uh, his voice is going to be heard no matter what the circumstance. And, and uh, you know, I think that that is cause for some uh, degree of, of confidence for agriculture and generally in the ethanol industry specifically. But uh, his will not necessarily be the loudest voice. And, uh, uh, you know, whether or not the trade representatives and the president himself are able to uh, convince China that uh, we need to hit the reset button or not is is still an open question. Yeah, you know, people ask me, Bob, uh, they'll ask me, you know, do you think Sonny Perdue's voice is heard uh, in the White House? Does he have the president's ear? And I say, I always say, yeah, I think he, he does have the president's ear, but there may be two or three others that have the other ear talking, you know, a, a different point of view, and that might be the case here with, uh, with former Governor Branstead. Well, is without a doubt, uh, Secretary Perdue uh, is being heard. Uh, you know, but timing is important as well, and uh, you, you kind of want to be among the last voices heard. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. So, where are we with the RFS and the White House trying to? to find some kind of what they called a win-win situation. Last we heard, they, it was kind of looked like, okay, let's, let's send it to Congress and let them deal with it, which is it's their bailiwick anyway. But uh, is there anything happening along those lines right now? Well, you just talked about whether or not uh, Sonny Perdue's voice is heard. I think the fact that uh, there's been a pause button hit on the rush to reform the RFS is evidence that uh, Secretary Perdue's voice is being heard because, you know, he has expressed concern about... Uh, the so-called deal that uh, Senator Cruz had been promoting. Look, in my view, uh, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt has been on a mission to destruct RFS demand over the past several months. Now, what do I mean by that? Look at the things he's done. He has ignored a court order that uh, directed him to uh, reallocate 500 million gallons of biofuels demand from 2016 when EPA unlawfully uh, set the RVOs too low. We sued, we won, EPA has ignored that so far. Uh, He has been uh, allowing small refinery exemptions at an unprecedented rate. There had been about 4 million gallons of uh, small refinery exemptions in the years, years, multiple years prior to uh, 2017. 2017 comes and all of a sudden there's more than 500 million gallons of small refinery exemptions. And from what we understand, they're looking at even more this year. And then with the PES settlement that we talked about earlier, he let that company out of 329 million gallons of biofuels obligations. So he has destructed more than a billion gallons of RFS demand. Don't tell me that farmers and ethanol producers have to sacrifice even more in order to get the ability to sell E15 year-round when they should be doing that anyway. So I think, you know, hopefully Secretary Perdue has been able to hit this reset button so we can evaluate uh, just, you know, how much uh, the oil industry has already gotten and why it's time for farmers and ethanol to get something to create demand to offset the demand destruction that Scott Perdue has been pursuing for months now. All right, Bob, as always, thanks a lot. Appreciate the conversation. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Appreciate it, Mike. Take care. Uh, Take care. Bob Deneaton, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. We've been down this road before. Administration saying they support uh, renewable fuels, and then an agency uh, head like EPA, takes actions just to the contrary and it sounds like we're seeing that right now more on that in the days ahead for sure coming up next dairy price outlook on aoa adams on agriculture 
right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. MyPillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I pressed the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137.
information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Interesting comments from Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. You could hear in his voice uh, that he's very frustrated with the EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt. And as I said, we've seen this play out before. With uh, uh, We saw it throughout the Obama administration. The uh, We'd hear from the White House support for biofuels, and then we'd see an agency, in particular EPA, take steps very counter to uh, what was uh, supportive of uh, the renewable fuels industry. And now we're seeing some of that happening again here, uh, and this is going to be an issue to watch moving forward because these are some very serious challenges for the uh, renewable fuels industry moving forward. So we'll keep you up to date on all that right here on AOA. Well, some serious challenges for those in the dairy industry. Uh, this time of um, low prices and a lot of questions, uh, more producers uh, losing uh, buyers of their milk, and we're seeing demand for uh, for fluid milk uh, continue to go down. Real challenges. And joining us now to talk about that is Mike North with Commodity Risk Management Group. Mike, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Good to be with you, Mike. Do you see any bright spots on the horizon for the dairy industry as we look at the price outlook. You know, honestly, we've been surrounded by bright spots. That has not actually left the story. The problem is is some of these black holes, if you will, are just a little bit darker and a little bit bigger than the bright spots. And what I'm talking about is exports primarily. And if you look at the month of January, we had another great month of exports, uh, mostly in the same two categories that have led the space, um, skim milk powder, nonfat dry milk, together with the, uh, the whey complex if you will, uh, and then also lactose being a big player. But the reality is, is that we continue to grow our exports. The problem that we have is that our supply situation has built itself a base that is able to not only meet that growing demand but overwhelm it. And so as we look at the inventories of product, even with big exports of skim and nonfat, we have large non-fat inventories, uh, some of the largest that we've seen in history. We see the same on the whey side of things. We see the same in butter and cheese. And so as we, you know, as we look at this export space, we can smile about it. It's a good story. We just have built such a big base that we have not been able to, uh, by way of those big exports, draw down those inventories and create a scenario where buyers come back to the market motivated and eagerly seeking supply, which is ultimately what leads us to our prices and why we look at class three and and deal with $14 and change uh, spot prices. And, you know, certainly there's hope built into the market. But what I tell guys is very simply, what you're seeing in the second half of the year is not a function of the market saying we're going to be short milk and we need to pay more for it. It's purely a function of normal seasonality in our market. And if you look at the price curve right now, it peaks in September, October, which seasonally, if you go back for, you know, whichever 10-year period you want to look at, the last 10, the last 40, the last 80, the reality is, is we peak in September, October. The market has a strong tendency towards that, and the market's just simply building in that normal tendency right now. As we walk forward in time, however, if we continue to deal with this big supply, I, I think what you're going to continue to see here is a clawing away or an eroding of those higher values as we march forward into those months where you're seeing them. So I that's our situation right now, Mike. Yeah. I mentioned fluid milk. I, you know, the numbers continue to be down, and yet, you know, you know, I buy quite a bit of milk. I go to the store; it's under a dollar a gallon. I mean, the price is great for consumers, but uh, we don't seem to be growing that demand. Well, here's here's the deal, right? And not to condemn fluid milk, but fluid milk has been a falling uh, category in terms of uh, consumption for 30 years. That has been a trend in place for a very long time, most of my lifetime. And as we look at that space, it's not to say that, you know, the consumer is moving away from dairy. It's 
certainly, though, a trend that expresses the fact that consumers have moved away from fluid milk. Now, we're, we're hoping that we can see other categories in that, you know, that immediately surround that pick that up. Right. And, and when we talk about, uh, you know, the, the health and wellness uh, efforts that have that have that have taken place in the last few years by way of dairy, you know, we're hoping that whole milk can you know be some of the offsets to those lesser fat categories. We're hoping that we can see uh, even with this most recent announcement by USDA to use the class three and class four markets equally in defining class one values that we open the doors for processors to have a little better better access to uh, instruments to hedge their risk so they can you know come back into the space with a little bit more ingenuity and you know create some new products you know that's that's certainly been a hindrance they haven't been able to manage that risk on the front side so you know they're not going to put as much effort into developing products on the back side um, but we're hoping that you know we can continue to see some offsets in that fluid space but here's the thing to realize for everything that we've lost in fluid we've picked up elsewhere right we've seen massive growth in yogurt in the last decade Greek especially in the last four to five years that's a big big category and it's seen some pretty dramatic growth cheese is another one americans continue to consume more cheese annually you know we're pizza eaters we we love our cheese and so you know the the reality is is we've had some wonderful growth in other product categories to offset what we're not consuming in the fluid space but um you know there too our consumption domestically has not kept up with supply you know you often see this this uh, back and forth ebb and flow in our market between supply and demand 2014 was the perfect example of what it looks like on the opposite end of the spectrum where we had massive growth in world demand for product our consumption domestically was still very strong as it you know continues on this growth curve it all came together and supply wasn't able to keep up Mike, thanks for the update, and we'll be watching this. Hopefully some uh, better prices ahead for dairy producers. Thank you very much. You bet. My pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Mike North with Commodity Risk Management Group. Tomorrow we're going to take a look at the the changes made in the U.S.-South Korean Free Trade Agreement. Hope you'll join us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at Fastline.com. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed life alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. 